President's Day edition of the Crosstown Baseball Show. And I'm so happy that you're here. We are talking spring training. Pitchers and catchers have reported full squad workouts. First full squad workouts were today, and we have it here all for you on the Crosstown Baseball Show. My name is Anthony Shulo, your host, and join with me, as always, is my co-host, Anthony Romanelli. Now, Romanelli, I would like to think if George Washington was around today, he would take his powdered wig and his springtime pantaloons and be enjoying some spring training baseball. I would agree. Um, you officially win uh, the vocab word of the day challenge by using the word <laughs> pan pantaloons. Uh, I should just leave. I'm not going to try to beat pantaloons, not within the first 56 seconds of the uh podcast i don't have a chance in hell it's over mic drop game over there is still time my friend there is still time because we have a lot to discuss like i just said um spring training is underway and we talked I'm about it a little so bit excited and that's exactly what we talked about last week i was just going to ask you how are you feeling i don't know about I, you but i am dripping with optimism i <laughs> so much for pantaloons <laughs> how was your weekend i was dripping with optimism um <laughs> So I am honestly, I'm pretty stoked. Uh, I saw one clip. It was all I needed. I saw a clip of uh, Swanson to Horner to first. I was like, I'm in. They played it like they played it three times. I was like, yep, let's go. And you like, know, let's go. They are going to milk that dry. Oh, I'm telling you that I'm excited for baseball or the Cubs specifically because that middle infield, You've got Swanson for seven years. You know if – here's what I believe. If Horner is healthy, he stays healthy, he gets the extension. That's the only thing – it's the only reason they haven't signed him yet is what I believe because mm. he hasn't been healthy enough. I am so excited. Um, there was there were people talking online about who the starter was. I was like, it's Justin Steele. Like, it's not going to be it, – like, it's Justin Steele. I'm telling you now. It, it will be Justin Steele. Well, I we're going to high. On, I know you're so, so high on him. And, I and I, I, as we get through spring training, I, I'm just telling you, I think you may be disappointed. I'm just saying. Do, do you know, speaking of disappointed was uh, Smiley. I saw this and, oh man, he may be in for a short summer. I, I don't know what's going to happen. But, like, the first five pitches he threw, Rios took him so deep. Oof. Oh, it was bad. It was it was ugly. I was like, well, he's done. And so then I look up his stats. He's like 6'2", 188. So and I, know he's been, I know he's been around a while, and I know height and size and weight doesn't matter. But, like, I'm 5'10", 185. So he's the same size as me, like, you know, pound wise, I know they're better and more athletic, um, <laughs> but I'm like, God bless it. And he just got crushed by Rio. So I saw that highlight and that made me sad. Well, so, let's hope that he's just getting out the kinks like all these guys. I, I mean, here's yeah, I the deal. Spring, spring training is different than what it used oh. to be. It used to be like, oh, I'm just going to sit on my ass all winter and then I'm going to use spring training to get ready. But no, these guys now, you better come to spring training ready to pitch some innings. I mean, you got to be ready. Who was it? Uh, who's the guy that signed the hundred million dollar deal and he's like forty pounds overweight? Oh, that could be quite a few folks from the nineties and thousands. Was it? It wasn't Bartolo Colon. Never signed a no. deal like that. No, was it, uh, was it, it Manny? Been, no, it's oh, been online. Prince Fielder. No, no, it's been online within the last week. Um, I'll find it. I'll find it and send it'll be after the show. I'll find it to you and we can talk about it maybe next week. Prince Fielder was definitely one of those guys. He yes, he was. Guys. Yeah. Yeah, he was. Um, but yeah, I'm super, super excited. Uh, still a little concerned about Hendricks, but I did look up, uh, some of the information that you sent me. He's not on the, the injured list, not officially. Not yet. Yeah. Not yet. So let's, so 
Yeah, let's see, because we're going to talk about that today. There's a couple things on the docket today for us, folks. Obviously, we're in the thick of spring training. There's a lot going on out of the camps already that I'm sure we'll talk in and out of today. But to really set this stage with everybody, we're going to go through each of the team's spring training rosters. Now, this includes, now, just so everyone knows, if people aren't familiar with how spring training works, is teams will invite everyone on their 40-man roster to spring training along with non-roster invitees. So folks that maybe sign over the offseason on a minor league deal, deal with an invite to spring training, that's what those are. So what yeah. we're going to do today is we'll start with the Cubs. We'll go through line by line, name by name. You'll see that on the screen for those folks that are watching us on YouTube. If you're watching, if you're listening to us, take some notes, folks. Um, we'll go through the Cubs. We'll go ahead and transition to the Sox. But before we transition to talking about the Sox roster, I have our first ever uh, letters to the front office. So very excited to share that with everybody. I know, and it's going to be a juicy one, folks. It's stick juicy. It to, stick it to Jed and stick it to Jerry. Um, well, there will be no sticking today. It's actually a little okay. preview. I'm on their side. Oh, okay. No, I'm giving I'm them some I'm, praise and some, okay. some support. I'm excited to hear. Um, good, good. I'm pretty excited because as soon as this is over, as soon as our podcast is over, I got my non-roster invite to the Cubs. So I'm hopping on a plane, I think, at like 9, 930. Mm. Yeah, I'm looking pretty forward to it. I think I'll be fine. I think you'll be fine. And, and quite frankly, I'm glad we're going over this roster because there's some no-names in here that I think you could beat out. So Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks. Yeah, go ahead. Let's dive into it. Let's look at this Cubs roster here. I'm going to go, um, let's go. And, and the way I did this for us to review today uh, for listeners and watchers out there is we're going to go through the 40-man uh, roster first, starting with the pitchers. We'll move over to position players. And then for sake of just space and time, we're going to go over notable non-roster invites. So there generally are multiple handfuls of non-roster invites because that list is long. A lot of them are kind of no-namers, but we'll talk about the ones that are maybe notable and actually have a chance to make the team. So without further ado, let me go ahead and go through the pitchers that the Cubs will be having um, in camp or do have in camp as we speak. So the pitchers the Cubs have, they have Adbert Alzali. Javier Assad, Brad Boxberger, Ben Brown, Jeremiah Estrada, Michael Fulmer, Kyle Hendricks, Cody Hoyer, Brandon Hughes, Ryan Jensen, Caleb Killian, Ethan Roberts, Julian Merriweather, Adrian Sampson, Drew Smiley, Justin Steele, Marcus Stroman, Jameson Tyon, Keegan Thompson, Hayden Wisniewski, and Rowan Wick. Now, let's talk about the pitchers for a second. One thing I'll say before I give you the floor here, Anthony, is we do have a few a few knowns about this staff. We do know that Kyle Hendricks and Cody Hoyer will start on the DL. We also know Ethan Roberts is a younger guy who unfortunately is going through Tommy John surgery this year. So, out of this list for these pitchers, what really stands out to you as we uh, start the spring training uh, preparation? Uh, a couple of things. One, Hoyer's actually on the 60-day uh, IL. Um, Hendricks is not, um, so that bodes well for him coming back sooner than later, obviously. Um, watching Talion pitch has been interesting. He looks like a beast. He's the 200-plus inning monster, uh, so I'm excited about that. Uh, I was reading today. They're like, book it now. Hayden Wisniewski is going to make the team. There, something about him. I don't know. Uh, but his name kept coming up in the last 48 hours over and over and over. Um, Smiley got clobbered, as I told you before. Uh, I watched that happen. He got clobbered by Rios. That worried me a little. Uh, but, again, I'm going to – Defer to Justin Steele as my number one uh, until somebody proves me otherwise. Uh, I don't care. I want somebody to prove me wrong, but I think he's our number one. Um, outside of him and Strowman, I I don't know. Alzale, if he can get control of his body, I think we'll be able to go in deep into games. But right now, I don't think he has enough, has enough control of his body to yeah. go more than four or five innings. And that worries me. So 
Uh, hopefully the pitching coach can work with him uh, to get a little bit more control and uh, see what happens. But you had mentioned earlier uh, about it. This is the time for them to get some of their kinks out. So obviously uh, they'll be working on that sooner than later. I'm, I'm glad you bring up um, Hayden Wisniewski because that does lead us to, before we get to talking to position players, really focusing in on this starting rotation and the way I see it for this team. If we were to draw out a rotation right now, you have your people that are locked. So you have, let's assume Kyle's healthy, Kyle Hendricks, Marcus Stroman. Um, we would have Drew Smiley, Jameson Tyon. Those are your four locks. Now there's that fifth spot. And so you didn't mention my guy. Dude. I was hoping that you would overlook that. Just hear me out. Hear me out. Okay. No. Hear me out. No, listen, listen, listen. So Jed Hoyer, or not Jed Hoyer, excuse me, David Ross said yesterday, to provide some clarity for everyone, if you did not hear, David Ross explicitly said yesterday that Egan Thompson and Adbert Alzali are going to be in the bullpen to start the year. So that that helps us wrap our heads around this. But that means to tell me that if you have, let's, let's be nice to Romanelli and his guy, let's say Hendricks, Stroman, Tyone, and Steele are your locks. Then for the fifth spot, you have you have Smiley, you have Wesneski, and then you have um, Samson. Those are your three for the fifth spot, as far as I see it. That's fair. That I'll take. And and okay. from the chatter that I heard in the last forty eight hours, Wesneski again, it's day one, really, where everybody's together. But in the last forty eight hours, Wesneski's name has come up over and over and over. So I'm going to keep an eye on him. Um, I don't believe that Hendricks will be your number one. I don't think he starts the season. Yeah. Um, I think, again, I think it's going to be Steele as our number one. Um, we should have a side wager. I'm going to say today that it'll be Steele that starts the season. Interesting. Okay. I And, and, and then loser. So loser. Well, I, I, I don't know. If I'm wrong, I buy. If, okay. if if I'm right, you buy. For sure. Okay. All right. Sounds good. All right. So let's let's do this. So we're doing so for 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 folks who don't know, uh Romanelli and I are already penciled in to go to what is it, the May eighth Cardinals Cubs game at Wrigley, the yep. first game that Wilson comes to Wrigley in a Cardinal uniform, and we'll be there. Yep. Did that on purpose. I he I we as collective Baseball fans and Cubs fans owe that man his standing ovation. That's why mm -hmm. we bought the tickets. That's why we're going for the day. I will applaud him. After that, he'll be a Cardinal, but not. But he he's owed sixteen years. He's owed a standing ovation at the very at the very minimum. Absolutely. So here's what I'll say. So since we're going to that game, first round of food, drinks, whatever it is. Who, whoever wins this bet, the other the other will buy. Okay, so here's 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 what I want to know though. Are you making me pick? Is it a the field like Justin Steele versus the field, or do you want me to pick someone who I think was the opening day starter? <clears throat> oh, like are you that confident that it's going to be Justin Field and then I'm taking or Justin Ste Justin Fields Justin <laughs> Steele and then I'm taking the field, or do you want me to do? my guy versus your guy. Yeah, let's do my guy versus your guy. Okay, so you're clearly Justin Steele. Let me think about this. Let me think about this. I'm going Strowman. Really? I am. I'm going Strowman. I'll give Book you that. Right here. Yeah, it's it will definitely be one of those two. Here's why. Here's the other reason. One, I think he's your number one ace. I just do. Two, opening day starter for Milwaukee is a lefty. So is Steele. That's the that's the advantage that I have. Okay. Well, folks, hang on to your seats. I'm very excited about how this one plays out. Um, <laughs> March 30th, here we come. Um, excellent. So we're going through these pictures here. Let's revert back to this list. Um, okay. You know, one, one thing that I am thinking about here is – I'll tell you what, I looked at this list, I was putting this together, and this is the first year 
take that back because last year was one of those years. Last year and this year, the first time being a Chicago baseball fan that I don't know about 60% of these guys' backgrounds. I just don't. And I follow baseball like you regularly, and I just don't know these dudes. Yeah, it's <clears throat> that's why I said my plane leaves at nine. I can make the team. <laughs> I played. I played on a. This is the truth. I'm now fi- 52. I'll be 53 in April. I played uh, in the Chicago Men's Baseball League until I was 50. I hit 285 and had a 425 on base percentage. Hey, five with a 425. I only hit like I didn't hit a triple. I hit like two doubles and the rest were singles because you know yeah. I weigh I weigh a buck eighty, but I could hit like <laughs> 150. I could hit 150. No, I'm totally, I'm totally well, kidding. I couldn't, I could, I could not imagine facing a Strowman fastball without like my knees buckling and wetting my pants. No so, way. Yeah, absolutely no way. not. Absolutely but, uh, not. I have the exact same feeling. This looks like, um, this could be the everyday roster for like the Oakland A's or the oh. pirate or the Pirates, guys that we just don't know. Like we have, I have no idea. Uh, again, the one name that came up was was, was uh, Hayden Wisniewski. Outside of that, even on the position player side, and I know we're still talking pitchers, but I have no idea who Ben Brown is. None, none. <laughs> yeah. No idea. No idea who Ethan Roberts is. He saw again. Ethan Roberts sounds like a, a name of a former student that I was have that I would have had because I've been teaching for so long. <laughs> Ethan, 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 sit down. I have no idea who he is. And I could, you know, I could be eating crow because he ends up being some all-star in 10 years. I have no clue who he is. So, okay. I want to zone in here on two particular people that could take up that fifth spot for the Cubs. And we talked about one of them already in at length, Hayden Wesneski. But I also think really it is between Wesneski and Adrian Sampson. Now to, to give people some background here, both of these guys, really appeared um, in a lot of their games in the second half of the season for the Cubs last year. And quite frankly, were impressive in their kind of short sample size. So Hayden Wesneski, um, last season, he did appear in a total of six games. He started four of them. Over 33 innings, he had a 218 ERA. Not too shabby. Um, his K rate, he's 25% of batters with his K rate. He struck out 25% of his batters, a fourth of his batters. And then Adrian Sampson on the other side, he started 19 games last year. He actually pitched over a hundred innings, if you can believe that. And his ERA was 311. So these are two guys working with Tommy Hadavi, working with the, with the Cubs pitch lab. You have some really good, solid three, four, five starters here that, they just need a shot to see what they have, so they know is this the guy that I'm putting all my cards, um, all my chips in on, or not going into the future. I, I agree completely. The one thing that most Cubs fan, most Cubs fans will have already forgotten, is the Cubs played over 500 baseball after the All Star break. Uh, they were still awful, but they played over 500 baseball. They made some, they made those pitching changes, brought those yep. guys in brought those guys in and they made a name for themselves. So yeah, that, that fifth spot, there's legitimate competition there. Um, Mm -hmm. So I'm excited to see how it all irons out. Yeah, it'll be fun. It'll be fun. Um, There's just as much to be ironed out, honestly, on the, on the position player side. So as we go back to our graphic here, um, we're looking at the position players. We'll go through this list here quickly. So I'm on the position player side. Those that are in in camp include uh, catchers, Miguel Amaya, Tucker Barnhart, and Jan Gomes. We have, uh, of course, Nico Horner, Eric Hosmer, Nick Madrigal, we have some utility infielder uh, folks like Zach McKinstry, Miles Mestrabloni, Edwin Rios. We have Dansby Swanson, Patrick Wisdom, Trey Mancini. Um, for the outfielders, we're looking at Kevin Alcantara, Cody Bellinger, Alexander Canario, Brennan Davis, Ian Happ, Christopher Morrell, Seiya Suzuki, and Nelson Velasquez. So, what we've done here, if you're seeing this graphic, um, we have, and actually I'll post this graphic on our social media, on Twitter and Facebook, so folks can see it if you were just listening to us. But we have little asterisks here next to people that are 
by my estimation, and Romanelli may disagree, folks that are a lock or a near lock to make the opening day roster. So as you look at the position players here and you look at kind of what I've suggested as locks, uh, what stands out to you? Um, I would agree with the locks, although you and I, I posted this somewhere online and, and I believe you and I talked about this. I still think and again, I'm like like you, the the optimist. Um, I think, I don't know, I, the the old school David Ross will start wisdom at third. I think Morrell ends up being your everyday third baseman and you make wisdom your DH. Mm. Uh, this doesn't take into account PCA who may come up, Matt Mervis who may come up. Um, and I, they're not even there. I know that they're not even, oh, there is Mervis, I'm sorry. Um, yeah. yeah. And David Bite. Uh, <laughs> he's, he will, I, that is still, there are two, uh, two or three clips, not even clips, but things that I've seen live that I will never forget is, is Bodie's Santa Maria walk-off home run. Oh, yeah. I, I get goosebumps every time I think about it. I have them now. Uh, but I don't know if Bodie makes the team. I, I don't. I I yeah. I worry about wisdom strikeout rate, um, which is why I think Morrell um, ends. He won't. Morrell won't start at third. I think if he tears the cover off the ball in the in spring training, he should. But my fear is that Ross will go old school and and start with what he's used to, because that's what everybody is expecting. My only comment with that is. You only won 74 games last year. If you're going to change, change now. Yeah. Like you invited these guys. Like Suzuki has made the physical transformation. If you've seen the pictures, all of a sudden he's like Superman. He's jacked. It's ridiculous. Okay. He has he has surpassed the pace at which Ian Happ decided to get bigger and stronger. Suzuki did it overnight. Hap, not, Hap took a couple of years. I was very on the fence about Hap. But like we've talked about in the past, he's now learned how to hit at Wrigley. So Hap is a mainstay. Suzuki, if he ends up hitting to the left over and over and over, he's going to be just fine. Um, so I'm excited about that. Uh, I don't know, the wisdom thing and the, the morale thing is what's really um, in the back of my head because it's, it's almost like a gut thing. The same with Steele. Morel's the real, Morel's the real deal. Steele's the real deal. Let him play. Agreed. And, and folks, uh, uh, Romanelli said David bite because I made a spelling error on our graphic, which is funny because you guys, when you see it on YouTube, well, no one even know there was an error because I'll fix it before you even see it. So, haha. Um, but uh, what I'm I will say, you. You're, oh, you, you hear me? No, now I can. Oh, perfect. See, audio, audio and video is just a funny thing, folks. Um, what I will say about everything that you said there is the reason. Uh, so on on the graphic here, we see all of our asterisk locks for for opening day, and that's with those that I put. That's eleven of presumably thir pr presumably thirteen position players, and so there's two spaces open. And this is where I kind of want to pose the question because. You have someone like Chris Morrell. You have someone like Nick Madrigal. I, I don't know that both of them start the season on the major league roster. I don't know that they can. I don't know that they can either. Um, if I'm if I'm transitioning to the new look Cubs, you know, um, Madrigal's gone. Morrell proved himself last year. Let him stay. Madrigal, his his days were numbered. They picked him up, but that doesn't necessarily mean he makes the team. I say let him go. I just do. I'm I, I, enough with the like. They now have. I I talked about this earlier about the veteran presence. You have enough. I do think mm -hmm. you have enough now. I don't think Madrigal is going to be a difference maker. I think Morel's speed is is a difference maker. 
His his glove is a difference maker. I, um, Madrigal is solid. Don't get me wrong, but if you want to turn the page, remember, I keep saying it. My goal for them this year is to play 500 ball. They need mm-hmm. to get there. They need to. Ross has to come out of the gate swinging. He can't leave anything behind. Now, here's why I already fear I'm going to lose my bet. Because he's going to come out with, Ross will come out with Strowman with the fast arm, the strong arm, right? Where Whereas Steele is the corners pitcher. He's more, he is, I, I, forever I will call him Lester 2.0. He hits his spots. And and I think old school Lester, I'm sorry, old school Ross is going to come out with 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 Strowman on the mound, even though I think it'll be a mistake. Just because just because he's the name. Whereas again, if we look back statistically and you look at Steele's numbers about Steele being the only other pitcher in the history of Wrigley outside of uh uh, Lester to have under a 3.0. How does that not get you uh, as a starter? Great, great question. Is it is it a is it a is it an issue of track record? Maybe. But but your but David Ross, your track record. Two of your last three seasons have been under 500. The only over 500 season you had was truncated because of uh, COVID. Kind of coming in hot, Romanelli. Well, you are just. Not giving Ross the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> it's not that I'm not giving him the benefit of the doubt, but like now's the time. If you've got Mervis and you've got PCA coming, Mervis has been invited. Do you send him back if he tears the cover off the ball? Okay, so I'm glad you raised that because that was kind of the last part I wanted to ask you about here from our list is those notable non-roster invites. The only one that we talked about, David Bodie, he's an invite and he's not on the 40 man and he hasn't been well and he's been in the minors for the last couple of years. But Matt Mervis is the bigger one on this list. And when I'm looking at this list and I see the likes of Wisdom, Mancini, when I see Hosmer, and I don't know that they have any intention on having him start the season in the major leagues. I just don't. And I hope to God you're right. I want I want to see the fresh faces. I do. I you know, again, the David Bodie memory, fine. Uh, the memories of all those guys are great, but or less than great based on the record. It's t- it is it's time to turn the page. And- no, I'm saying I'm saying I'm sorry if I if you misunderstood or if I did wasn't clear. I'm saying I don't think Matt Mervis is going to be starting in the majors. I think they're going to wait on him. When you have when you have Hosmer, when you have Mancini, when you have Wisdom. I don't think they have intentions of having him start in the majors. If they did, you don't go sign two DH first baseman types. I agree. And I'll be curious if it's the the Chris Bryant rule, um, which is why they're signing two DH first baseman for a while. And then all of a sudden you watch. Mervis tears it up. I almost said downstairs. <laughs> um, he tears it up in the minors and they bring him up. And that's fine. If that's what they need to do, that's that's fine. But I don't want it to be one or two games too late. Yeah. Yeah, That that's fair. Um, I mean, I like to, when we think about just this whole Cubs season, I, I like to frame it this way. Like, do we want this team to go out there and win 85-plus games? Of course. Is that likely to happen? No. But I always think about this as, this whole thing is still an experiment. There are no expectations. And that that that's where I struggle is like, I want this team to come out. I want them to put the best people on the field to win as many ball games, but they're just not there right now. And they're not thinking about that. They're thinking about how can I get the most out of this team and learn who I have so that when I roll into 2024, I'm good as gold. Yeah, I, I would agree with you. If you compare this to the 15, the 2015 Cubs where they, struck a little earlier than they thought. So they went in all in on 2016. So Mm -hmm. I have the mindset that they're going to strike hot this year. So they're ready for next year. If again, you said I'm being tough on Ross. If I'm making the decision, if I'm whispering in Ross's ear, I'm sorry, Morrell stays up. I'm sorry. Mervis stays up. They stay up. They stay, they stay up. The, 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 uh, 
been there, done that with, with wisdom, with Bodhi. Um, uh, I'm sorry, but it's time. I, I, I use one phrase that I heard my sophomore year in high school uh, with those guys. Better to have been a has-been than a never was. Mm. And, and wisdom had his day and Bodhi had his day. And they're going to be forever part of Cubs lore. But turn the page. I'm telling you, turn it now. Well, and, and I, one of the biggest arguments for, 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 your, for your point there is if you are really making that push and you're taking that next jump in 24, there is an argument to be made that if you bring the Mervises and the, give the Morels another year, even PCA if you wanted to here in 2023, let them let them get some experience with some with the major league pitching. Let them get all the struggles out of the way. So in twenty four, they're feeling good. They have the high confidence. They've experienced the pitching, and they're good to go. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Huh. That's I, I'm a, and I know I'm a little ahead of the curve, but I think you're. I think they're doing a good job in building. I I, I think at the beginning of the offseason, we were both like, oh my god, they're screwed. Um, yeah. But I think he's done a decent job. Um, but now Ross has to flip the switch. Yeah, absolutely. This is uh, quite the interesting list of players here. We have quite the cast of characters for the Cubs here in spring training. So, um, you know, over the next couple of weeks, we'll continue to talk about as we hear updates, what this Cub team looks like, folks that are sent down to the minors who are released. We'll have it here all for you talking about what it means for opening day. Um, so... Without further ado, before we move on to White Sox spring training stuff, um, I have our very first ever letters to the front office, and I'm very excited to share it with all of you. So, Anthony Romanelli, if you do not mind, I would love to go into my letter. Absolutely. I can't wait. I initially, yeah, I can't. Let's go. Fantastic. Here we go, folks. Letters to the front office. I have it here in front of me. (laughs) Dear dear White Sox front office, I'll be one of the first to keep it real with you, to let you know when you've messed up, when a questionable decision has been made. I'll also be one to maintain my optimism and stand to your defense. And this is one of those times. I want to apologize for a subsection of the Sox fan base that is determined to find any little thing to blame on the White Sox. Literally anything. Unfortunately, the whole Mike Clevenger Clevenger situation gives fans a lot of ammo to rip the White Sox to shreds. But I'm here to say the hate the team is getting is unwarranted. Fans complain that the Sox should have known about Clevenger before signing him. Could more due diligence happened on your part? Probably. But the facts remain. You as the front office wouldn't have known about Clevenger's situation given the confidential MLB-led process. Furthermore, and let's get real, no business, no organization, no major league team would willingly sign up for this PR nightmare for a one-year flyer on a starting pitcher trying to revive his career. In addition, fans and White Sox commentators feel the need to get on certain White Sox players for not saying the right thing in their opinion, or not coming down hard on Clevenger thus far in spring training. Just ignore them, Sox front office. What are these players supposed to do in this situation? Openly bash their teammate, not knowing the results of the investigation? Show anything else other than support for him? If the allegations are to be true, I'll be the first one to stand up, demand Clevenger be off this team, and heavily condemn his actions. It's disturbing, though, how many people are immediately writing him off and expect other people to do the same with no evidence from a process you are not a part of. Ultimately, I'm with you, White Sox front office. I can only imagine the frustration you carry when you must wait for an investigation and you have no control over what happens with Clevenger until further word from the league. I can only hope that fans have level heads and don't make assumptions about anyone. More important, about their favorite baseball team when they have no control over the situation, one they undoubtedly wouldn't have put themselves in if they had a choice. Most sincerely, Anthony Shula. Today on Can 
of worms. Dude, the, <laughs> the can you have just opened. Did I? Did I? Yeah. Oops. Yeah. Do you know why? Because I, I'm going to equate it to... I, the only thing I can think of is the Tiger Woods cheating scandal. The Do you remember when he cheated? I do. That was and, a long time ago. Okay, oh. but but like like you just picture him tearing out of his driveway and she's like clubbing the car, all that stuff. Yeah. But here's what I'm equating that to. The minute Clevenger steps on the field, it's no longer about the team. And that's what's sad because yeah. everyone will throw their hatred toward him. It doesn't matter. It's not even going to be White Sox. It's going to be the, the opposing team, Absolutely. Whoever, they're, whoever they're playing. So what you're doing by allowing Clevenger, instead of putting him, and now all of a sudden I, my, my mind goes to police officers and police brutality. When something happens with a police officer and they're accused of blank with, with a citizen, they put him on administrative leave, right? Correct. And he's, and he's out of the picture until the investigation is over. So what the White Sox should have done, in my estimation, so they can concentrate on the team, put him on administrative leave. Don't invite him to camp. He can, he can pitch, let him pitch, let him warm up, let him do everything else as if he's training in the offseason. But by inviting him to camp, you're inviting that trouble. So here, here's what I'll say there. Because you're right. And the only problem with that and what we learned a couple weeks ago was the team can't put him on administrative leave. Only Major League Baseball can. So... My, and this is why this was even more the impetus for this letter, because I think fans are getting on the team wrongfully so when they literally have no control over this, especially when I learn that the only entity that can put them on administrative leave is Major League Baseball. It just makes me pissed off at Major League Baseball. Like this investigation, according to Major League Baseball, has been going on since the summer. Why would you do that to one of your teams by not speeding this along and putting him in on, on administrative leave, as you're saying, if it's not resolved by spring training, which it's not. So now you've put your teams in a shitty spot and you haven't done this the appropriate way. I'm upset with the league for not handling this the right way. Correct. And when you said since, because they knew about it in the summer, they, Major League Baseball, should have said, no, Mike Clevenger, you're not allowed to be traded. You're not allowed to go to another team. And you know why. Like something, something. Now, now, they could have done it. Now, we all know if that happens, the MLB Players Association would be all up in that. It would be a whole big to, to do. But there could have been some sort of safeguard to not put this team in this situation, which is why I wrote that letter, because quite frankly, there's people that shit on the socks all the time, and a lot of it is for good reason, and I'm the first one to do it too. But guess what? At the end of the day, I'm not going to be one of those fans that's going to sit here and just because I have, you know, uh, stick up my ass about my team that every little thing I'm going to be like, oh, see, that's a reason why they suck. And that's a reason why they suck. And that's a reason. Calm down, everybody. Calm down. <laughs> as much as this looks so bad, you cannot blame the team for this. One. You can't. You can't. However... If I'm the White Sox, I still don't invite him, and I I fight the MLBPA. I let them I let them argue their side, and I, as an organization or the institution that have a bigger bigger name to protect, I'm going to protect my entity before I'm going to stick my nose out for a player who they've only met and interviewed, let's say three or four times, right? Mm -hmm. You talk, it's, it's agent to agent, you know, like has, you know, has Reinsdorf really shook his hand? We have, we have no idea. It's only been a handful. Of, it, it's only been a handful of times. And actually this reminds me a little bit of, if I'm not mistaken, weren't there allegations with Patrick Kane years ago with the Blackhawks? There, there was. Yeah. And the difference between Kane and Clevenger 
is time. And what I mean by that is this. Today, in 2022 or 2023, where you can press a button and find out anything is different mm-hmm. when it happened with Kane and you had to press five or six buttons or whatever. Because every everybody finds out everything so quickly. That's why Clevenger is in the hole that he's in. It's worse now. Same with Bauer, with Trevor Bauer. Like he was yeah. like, it just, the second it happened, it's over. And Clevenger's career, like, you know, wait until um, all the information comes out. Well, one of the pieces of information that I heard made me beyond upset. Like, 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 and again, allegedly. Right. Chewing tobacco in the face of a child. Like, and again, if that's e- two parts to allegedly one, that's really, really, really hard stuff to make up. Unless you're a creative writer that came from somewhere. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I, yeah, I so, so it's really hard for me to wrap my head around that, that just, that, that didn't happen. Um, at the same time, he's he's innocent and so proven guilty. So I'm, you know, I have to take the high road. But if I'm the White Sox, I still, man, it's tough. And and because, you know, are you anytime like you talk about when guys are getting traded at the deadline? How's it affecting the team? Are you? Oh, and it's not. Everything's fine. The minute they hit the field and the booze start, when Clevenger goes to pitch, holy hell. Yeah. Wait until his first wait till the first time he steps out. Not not for not even during uh, like uh bullpen bullpen session, none of that stuff. Wait till he pitches against an actual team during spring training. Then we'll see. Because again, we won't know anything more. Mm-mm. I doubt, right? No. So the, I don't know. This is one of those things where the sooner the better. They can't let this drag on. And again, especially for uh, Rafal, their new manager, you don't want, like, he's got, a, like, that poor dude. Yeah. Not like, and, and that's why I get, and that's why I get frustrated too with people, a next level of frustration for people coming down on, like, People have come down on Pedro Grafal and others like Joe Kelly and Kendall Graveman for not being forceful enough in condemning what Clevenger did. And quite frankly, put yourself in their shoes. What are they supposed to do? Bash the guy in the first day of spring training? Like, come on now. They can't they can't say anything. Oh. Okay. Let me gather my worms. And then uh, you know so just put gather your on on the complete opposite side of horrific, allegedly horrific. You've got the wonderful story of every White Sox fan and player behind Liam Hendricks. Yeah, I mean, so you've got so you've got some really really positive stuff coming out of and uh, coming out of White Sox camp with the support for Hendricks, the T-shirts and all the the promotions going on and the money going towards uh, everything for uh, Hendricks. So in that regard, uh, I'm excited for what the White Sox are doing as, again, as an organization. I think I think that they're handling just as well, I guess. Not just as well, but they're, if, they're, if they're smart, they continue to talk about Hendricks. Yeah, well, there is certainly a lot going on for this team, a lot of storylines going into the spring. Of course, Hendricks and Clevenger are two big ones, and, and no doubt we're going to continue to hear about it. And I'll, and I'll be completely honest, I'm so glad for once there's no, like, negative, swirling BS around the Cubs. Like, thank God. <laughs> I, I'm a little sad that it's the White Sox. Like, if, I would prefer it be, like, you know, the Yankees um, or some other team that everybody hates. Uh, well, give it give it time, Romanelli. It's, yeah, it's not opening yeah. yet. Give it time. <laughs> got a little, got a little time. There's there's still uh, there's still uh, time for you know Ricketts to make some sort of out of touch comment from his tower. So don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> True. God. Um, 
All right, folks, we're moving on to the White Sox here. And as we can see, we do have our spring training roster for the Southsiders. Um, So we'll start with the pitchers like we did uh, previously. So looks like this list of uh, pitchers, some familiar names uh, from last season. We'll start with AJ Alexi. We have Nick Avila, who was a Rule 5 draft selection from them this offseason. Tanner Banks, Aaron Bummer, Dylan Cease, Mike Clevenger, Garrett Crochet, Jake Diekman. Uh, Matt Foster, Franklin German, Lucas Giolito, Kendall Graveman, Liam Hendricks, Joe Kelly, Michael Kopech, Jimmy Lambert, Ronaldo Lopez, Lance Lynn, Davis Martin, Nicholas Padilla, Jose Ruiz, Gregory Santos, and Jonathan Stever. Um, so we have also those asterisks of folks that are obviously shoe-ins. Um, I will say, of course, Liam, H- Liam Hendricks, as we know, has the asterisks, but he will undoubtedly um, start the season on some sort of uh, IL. Um, Garrett Crochet, Rickon did uh, share with the press earlier, the, it was actually later last week, that Garrett Crochet is tentatively going to be returning to mound action middle of May. He will actually open the season on a minor league rehab assignment and be with the team again um, in May. And then um, the rest of these are pretty self-explanatory. I mean, we have a a rotation that's looking like right now to be Giolito, Cease, Lynn, um, Michael Kopech. And then that fifth spot is until we know otherwise, Mike Clevenger. Um, So any, any impressions of this list here? Um, Who is, Dylan Cease. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> Shut your mouth. <laughs> uh, I, he is, he, you know what he, he is? is? He is a Kelly, stud. He's the he, best pitcher in Chicago today. Without today. without. I like watching him pitch. He's, and he's a good dude. Um, yeah, he's just fun to watch. Jesus. I, they're, I can't say enough about him. Honestly. He's, he's, he's really... So here's the thing with Dylan Cease. Number one, you said he's a good dude. He totally is a good dude. Like he's someone I feel like I could be friends with. Like yeah. he's just yep. my type of guy. Cool yep. dude. Yep. Um, but two, he had his breakout season last year, came second to second in the Scion voting to Justin Verlander. And this guy, there is this fire in this guy, this focus, this kind of lifelong learner spirit where he is always digging into his games. He's digging into the stats. He's digging into his mechanics. And he's he is a learner through and through. And him and Ethan Katz have really this tight partnership, this tight relationship where he's going to take it to the next level this year. And he is easily in the American League, one of the top candidates for the Cy Young here in 2020, uh, 2023. And it helps that Justin Verlander went to the Mets. Yeah, I, I was just going to say, uh, he wins the Cy Young this year. He just Oh, I hope. He just I does. Um, I think Verlander had it all in Houston. Um, he could have walked on water. Why he left? And I get the money thing, but yeah. how, like, how much do you need, Jesus? Um, and and I think I don't think the Mets are. I don't know. I know that they've got a lot of money and they spent a lot, <clears throat> but Verlander's got to face the likes of. Uh, Wilson Contreras. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> totally kidding. Um, he's got to face Harper a lot now. Well, eleven, I guess yeah. 11 times. And he's got to face Schwarber 11 times. And those guys are, they've gone beyond next level. And they're they're in the hunt. I think next year, I think last year carries over for the Phillies into this year. And that, that opens the door wide open for Dylan Cease to get the Cy Young. I'd like... I'm not saying anything that any White Sox fan doesn't know already. He's beyond, he's more than capable. And if last year he was just arriving, and I, don't, I think that that's not even strong enough, uh, but he made such a case that he went, he pitches like this again, he wins by a landslide. So I have to tell you something. I don't think I've ever told you this, but since we're talking about Dylan Cease last year, now I don't know if you remember that he went eight and two thirds innings for a no hitter push and it, and, and Luis Arias of the twins broke it up with two outs in the ninth. <sighs> and I was at that game. Oh. And it was the most exciting game of my life. Oh yeah. I would, it was incredible. I, I, I would give that's one thing for all the stuff I've seen. 
you and I both, I've never seen a no hitter live. Never. No, it, it is one of my dream bucket list things. And it was this close. My heart, I can't even tell you how it felt to see that hit go through the infield. My heart just sank. Like the whole, like it felt like if I can even describe the experience being in that ballpark with, it was a weeknight. So it would have been like probably 20, 25,000 people. And just the energy in that place immediately dropped. It's like nothing I've ever experienced. Yeah, I can't imagine because you go from an absolute euphoria because you're witnessing, you're on the verge of witnessing history. And then it's snatched away from you as, you know, as quick as a bee sting happens, just Ooh. boom, and it's, and it's over. Man, I can't. It was crazy, crazy. Um, anyway, little anecdote there. Yeah. But um, one of the things that I did want to talk about with you is, you know, what does, and a lot of the Sox fans listening here may have that question of, okay, well, now that Liam Hendricks is presumably not going to be pitching for the Sox for a while, which in case you didn't know, Rick Hahn in, in his last update said like, hey, we're not going to be giving any update on Liam until closer to opening day. So we are real, really TBD on his timeline right now. Um, but the natural question is who steps up in that closer spot now that Hendricks is gone. And there's really two things coming out of White Sox camp right now. We have number one, people stepping up and saying, of course I'll do it. Yeah, of course I can do it. Or, hey, yeah, I have experience with it. You know, your Kendall Graveman's, your Joe Kelly's, you know, there's been talk of Ronaldo Lopez grooming him into a closer type uh, uh, pitcher. But there has been more traction in the last couple of days from both Ethan Katz, White Sox pitching coach, and of course, new manager, Pedro Grafal, of doing a closer by committee. So what I'm going to ask you here is just, you've heard about this more more, more than ever in the last couple of years, this whole closer by committee situation. Uh, last year, uh, David Ross utilized it a lot. What are your whole thoughts of this closer by committee versus the one stable guy? every every ninth inning you <clears throat> the same way you have a number one pitcher you need a closer closer by committee will only work for so long what you what you hope is out of that closer by committee mindset somebody steps up and gets mm -hmm. that job that's what you that's what you want ultimately you want to hand the ball to mariana rivera and you know it game's over like we're done. So you want to hand that ball to one of those guys and be like, nope, this is your job. You've earned it. It's yours. And that's, that's, I, I'm not a fan of closer by committee because you're not even as, as a closer by committee, you don't even know from a, a mentality perspective. Yes. You're supposed to be ready to go at any time, but baseball specifically regarding patterns and regarding um, warm up routine. I'm sorry, routine and patterns that that sport specifically, they need the routine. They need their patterns. If I'm an eighth inning one, you know, if I'm an eighth inning guy, don't go calling on me in the fourth inning because we're down nine, nothing. And, and you just need somebody to eat up innings. Nope. Yeah. So closer yeah. by committee for me is, is hopefully a short window. A two-week, two to three-week window max. It, it, I, I like that you kind of broke it down that way because I do, I do see both sides. I, it is it, your what you lay out there works perfectly with a, a Liam Hendricks, a Mariano Rivera, a Trevor Hoffman, like these folks that have blood in their, uh, you know, ice in their veins, can shut it down for three outs in the ninth, like. And you ask anyone in the sport, and most of these guys will tell you it takes a special kind of cat. Oh yeah, to, to ninth and do that. It's the, the three hardest outs of the game. But then there's there's that where it seems like those guys exist a lot less versus the whole analytical part of the game now more than ever where teams, managers, front offices would rather do that committee and play matchups. And I feel like there's that competing ideals that I think we're starting to see kind of butt heads here when we talk about how do how do teams invest in closers and allocate resources to that position? Yeah, it's a, it's a really good question. It's a tough question. And I'll be honest, what's made it tougher, what's made that question tougher 
is the pitcher must pitch to three players rule. That is the mm. most asinine to this day. That is the most asinine rule I've ever heard. That's like playing, you know, playing football. No, you've got to play for three plays. Why? Because we said so. That is literally the rule. The, the because rule, I said so. The rule to have three a pitcher pitch to three players is because we said so. I'm yeah. okay. I'm okay with the pitch clock. I'm okay with the bases being a little bit bigger. I don't really get it, but okay, whatever. Sure. Um, but, but just because we said so, no, 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 just because you're <laughs> what be, like, and when you do the whole, and when you, when you break down baseball games versus football games, time wise, they're almost identical in actual playing time. So mm -hmm. knock it off and cut out half <laughs> and cut out half the commercials and standing up to cancer and every other, you know, every other thing that they want to do in between innings and all just oh my god stop well talk about a can of worms i hit a nerve apparently jesus <laughs> no i just like i like like no it's no no i didn't mean it that way just just let them play just let them play let the kids play yeah. like i like, um, just just to go back to that for a split yeah a split second remember a group of people i'm assuming mostly men were in this room right like, why don't they had a meeting about this? They had a meeting about they let's make them stay in for three batters minimum. Why? Because it'll speed up the game. Not if that pitcher sucks. <laughs> That's true, though. Right. It's true. If he sucks, yeah. the game goes on longer. Play the matchup game, get him in, get him out. You've got the pitch clock. Now, as a matter of fact, because of the pitch clock, that three-pitcher rule should be gone. That's a really good point. I did not even think about that. It's like that kind of cancels out the other yeah. in a way. Yeah. Huh. All right. We're going to talk more about rules, by the way, because in a few weeks here, we're going to start seeing in-game action in spring training because, folks, these new rules are in place for the first spring training games, which are this Saturday. So – very exciting, and we'll see how those play out in, in real time. Um, wait. So let's move on to the position players for the White Sox here. Uh, this list has a lot of familiar names, uh, starting with the catchers, Yasmani Grandal, Carlos Perez, and Zebi Zavala. Um, we have Tim Anderson and Elvis Andrews. Nice signing. Not yes. Mm -hmm. I'm going to stop right there. Nice signing. Because I was thrilled when I saw this yesterday. Now they have their bona fide middle infielder who's going to play second base. Yes, Elvis, Elvis has not played second base before, but he is extremely athletic. He is one of the best defenders of the middle. I am so excited. Yep. You're talking about up the middle defense for Anderson and Andrews. Yeah, it's, it's as good as uh, the Cubs, without question. So um, Andrews, we'll come back to him in a second. We have Jake Berger, Larry Garcia, Romy Gonzalez, Yoan Moncada, Brian Ramos, Jose Rodriguez, Lenin Sosa, Andrew Benintendi for outfielders, uh, Eloy Jimenez, Luis Robert Jr., Gavin Sheets, and Andrew Vaughn. Um, as far as the notable non-roster invitees, uh, obviously we've talked a lot about Oscar Colas already, Hanser Alberto, Billy Hamilton, Jake Marisnik, and Victor Reyes. So one thing I'll tell you right out of the gate, Romanelli, is I – am a lot more comfortable knowing that Elvis Andrews is going to be at second and not Romy or Lenine. Feeling really good about that. Um, agreed. That's literally, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I was glad that you were able to get that in there for today's show. Uh, as soon as I saw that, I was like, yep, good signing. It just, it's solid. And, and hats off to the White Sox for making that signing. Um, again, you're solid up the middle with him and him and Anderson. You just are like, come on. Um, you know, it, it, it's interesting because you look at the, the players that I, I asterisked here for the Sox, the, the shoe wins to make this team. You look at this position player group. Obviously, you have Yasmani Grandal. You're going to have a, a, a battle for that backup catcher spot between mm -hmm. Perez and Zavala. Yeah. We have Anderson and Andrews up the middle. We have Moncada third, Benintendi in left, Eloy at DH. Robert Jr. Up, up up center field, Andrew Vaughn at first base. 
And folks, if I was a betting man, I really do think the right fielder position is Oscar Colas's to lose. I mean, I just truly do. Yeah, I would. I would not disagree with you at all. So now, so now we're looking at two spots left on this roster that they're going to have to decide here, um, or at least for the position player group of the thirteen spots, we have two left. One of which is going to go to a backup catcher. Yep. So you have one left, and so I did put Romy in there because. Uh, they're very high on Romy, you know, Griffal and uh, Griffal and uh, the new hitting our fielding coordinator, Mike Tozar and the new um, Castro, the new hitting coach for the White Sox. They've been working with Romy down in Miami and he's impressing everybody early on. I do think he's a great utility. <clears throat> he's can play all over the outfield and the infield. So I think he's going to be on this team, but really I think one of his last spots is going to be an additional outfielder. And if it's me picking today, there's no one I love more for a clubhouse presence and a speed late in the game than Billy Hamilton. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he is the dude. He's just he he he's just got a great attitude. He jives with that team. It's the second stint with the White Sox. And in camp today, I actually believe it was uh yesterday out of camp, um, Billy said, Hey, this is my family. I'm pumped to be back. I want to be on this team. I've been dying to get back here. And he's in it to win it. I just think you need more clubhouse guys on a team that last year, the clubhouse and the vibe was a big problem. Yeah, that, the, yeah, let's not go back there. That clubhouse was a mess last year. Something, something was off. We'll never know truly what it was. I have my suspicion, but it was just off. Yeah, it, it, uh, yeah Grandpa LaRusso wasn't helping. <laughs> God. Oh, I. Can I just say? I, I will also say this. I have yeah. no, I have no doubt that when I'm old and crusty, people will be tearing me a new one. So, I, I know it's coming. I know people. But like, I know, I know people talk behind my back. I don't care. Whatever. Here's, here's, here's the thing with this though. Like, that was just last year. And seriously, Romanelli, I think back to it and I go, did that? Like, did that shit actually happen? Yeah. Like, was Tony Larusa actually our manager? And it still blows my mind. Like, that was something that happened in real life. Right. Again, things you can't write. Things you oh, can't write. My goodness. Um, so, um, this is what the Cubs and the Sox rosters are looking like here as we get closer to actual spring training action. So, the first games are going to be um, this Saturday, the 25th. And, yep. of course, you can catch the spring training game for the Cubs on marquee. They'll have them all. And then the Sox uh, game on the 25th uh, this Saturday is actually going to be on NBC sports. I suspect uh, Steve and Jason will be calling that first game. Um, the Cubs, since they have their regional network, they have marquee, all of them are on marquee. The Sox, not so much. They only broadcast select games folks, but they will broadcast that first one on Sunday. So as we get to game action here, Romanelli, and you look at the Cubs, what are some things that you're looking for right out of the gate as we start to see some games? Uh, um, I do know they play the Giants um, on the 25th. I'm looking to see the chemistry up the middle. Uh, I'm looking to see how the pitch clock affects them. So I would I would gather already that the pitchers are practicing with that. What is it? It's 90 seconds, right? Or not? No, minute 20. <laughs> 90 seconds. Oh, shit. They have, they have a minute and a half? Oh, man. It's a minute 20, isn't it, between pitches? No. It's like – Hold on. 20 seconds. It's like it's, – it's not even 20 seconds. It's like 15 – I think it's 12 or 15 seconds. It's not a lot. Oh, I, Let I don't me know where I got up. a minute and a half. I was thinking 20 keep, seconds. Keep, keep going. Let me look it up. Um, so I think with the, the pitch clock, that will be interesting to watch or hear about because we won't actually get to see the games for – a couple of weeks, uh, but it'll be interesting to hear the pitchers' responses to that. Um, I'll be curious. So, I have it. I have it here. Pitchers will have 15 seconds to throw a pitch with bases empty and 20 seconds with a runner on. Okay. Um, yeah, that's going to be interesting. Um, oh yeah. Yeah, like if like guys aren't going to be able to lose their cool, which is a good thing. Um, it'll keep them in the moment. Uh, my question though is, so they'll have 15 or 20 seconds, but, well, 
I'm, I'm getting too, I'm thinking too hard. I, my, I'm going to look at Steele, or not Steele. I'm going to look at Horner and Swanson up the middle. I'm going to be looking to see how much playing time Morel is going to get. Uh, see if Suzuki being as jacked as he is, if he's mm-hmm. really going to be aiming for the fences. I Obviously, by what he's doing, by the fact that he's so jacked, I, I would guess that he's going to. Uh, I will be curious how Rios does after watching him hit off of uh, what's his face? Um, Smiley. Thank you. Uh, I'm curious to see if he can bring it. So, yeah, I'm really, really excited. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. I have to agree with you. I love I, – I, I'm very interested to see the rule changes, particularly that pitch clock. But more than anything, on the White Sox side, I'm very eager to see – um, Oscar Colas come out and have a really solid spring. You know, I'm really, if there's anything that I'm most excited for opening day is I'm excited to sit in those seats and watch us for call Oscar Colas with the bat in the, in the batter's box. Really excited for that. I'm really excited to, this is, you know, I remember the year the Sox had in 22 and 21. I'm just excited to get through spring with no injuries. Can we just knock out wood, fingers crossed, do the voodoo doubt, whatever we got to do. Can we just make this work for the love of God? Stay healthy. For the love of God, stay healthy. That's right. My God. Um, well, I'll tell you what, folks. This has been a great President's Day. Had some great chat about spring training. Um, I still have the vision in my mind of George Washington, Abraham Lincoln. is somewhere in a parallel universe, wearing those pantaloons, sitting at Camelback Ranch or Sloan Park, enjoying a beautiful baseball game. And I just wish we were there with them. Me too. Me too. <laughs> Awesome, folks. Remember, um, continue to follow us every week. We try to get episodes out uh, Sunday night, so you have it Monday morning. If there's ever a difference like today, we'll let you know. Um, Please follow us, subscribe on YouTube, anywhere you get your podcast. Leave reviews, like us, give us a virtual hug, whatever you want us, we're here for. Um, But we appreciate all the support. We will catch you next week as we talk more spring training here on the Crosstown Baseball Show. Take care, everyone. Go White Sox. Go Cubs.